0: You're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. I go by Brent Spirits and this is part 12 of the ongoing Kundalini Awakening series. Today's topic is a very fascinating one, a little bit of a touchy topic, Kundalini Denial. So there are a group of people, they're all over the place, who deny the significance and necessity of the Kundalini process in terms of its requirements to attain full self-realization spiritual awakening, and enlightenment. So together today, we're going to look at why some dismiss the Kundalini Shakti as merely an unnecessary phenomenon on the spiritual path if they recognize that it exists at all. So today I'll be doing a bit of ranting and critiquing a well-known teacher by the name of Muji, who, by the way, is not the only one who denies the Kundalini, but his work is a good example for me to use to make my points. I'll also be referencing Sri Ramana Maharshi, one of the greatest saints of the modern era, And I will be showing that he was not a denier of the Kundalini Shakti in the way that many of his followers might think that he was. I'll also be sharing about why people deny the Kundalini process. It's got to do with the patriarchy and the suppression of the feminine. It's also got to do with people finding a way to bypass doing the actual healing work instead of just simply transcending the body, transcending the mind, transcending the world. I've also got some insight for you about Advaita neo advaita and non-duality as well as some fun diagrams to share with those watching on youtube or reading on my blog now if you're listening on the podcast i'm going to do my best to describe those diagrams for you and finally i'll also be sharing a little bit about my own spiritual process and transformation admittedly i used to be part of the spiritual community that denied the necessity of kundalini and so for this reason i feel that my insight will be valuable to those on either side of the discussion to get a better view of the full picture. This part of the series is a bit nuanced, and you might not know who or what I'm speaking about. It's not a problem if you just want to skip it. Uh, it's not completely necessary to understand all of these ins and outs in order to have a successful cleaning process yourself. I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff, and so I like to talk about it. I'm sure there's many people out there who like to uh, you know explore these ideas as well. So. I hope you enjoy, but don't feel as if this information is necessary for you to grasp. It's more of a commentary on the spiritual process, the spiritual path, and the way that it's expressed and explored throughout the world. If you haven't already, remember to check out uh, the other parts of this series for some fundamental principles and practices that will help you uh, to get through your own and awakening process safely and smoothly. You can also visit brandspirit.com for more free content just like this. So now that that intro is out of the way, let's dive into this. Enjoy the episode. So right from the beginning, I want to let you know that if you happen to be a person that's in denial of the significance or even the existence of the Kundalini, that's okay. Like I said, I myself, I used to deny it fervently. I had an initial awakening on the level of the crown chakra what some might refer to as a non-dual awakening. And I'll explain more about this with some diagrams very soon. When this happened to me, I was completely certain that there was nothing left for me to awaken to, to experience, to realize, or to even embody on my spiritual journey. That's how this awakening felt to me. It felt complete and I'm sure that this is how it feels to many others who come to this point of a crown level awakening when they realize non-duality without necessarily having the full kundalini process undergo uh, within the entire system you know, head to toe, chakra to chakra so maybe you're at a similar point in your journey and you happen to be in denial of the kundalini as well, I just want to tell you quite clearly that if and when she decides to move through you, there's a very high likelihood that you will be called, you'll be drawn irresistibly to get down on your knees and weep tears of love devotion and surrender to the Divine Mother Goddess Kundalini Shakti herself. I denied her and still her compassion and love for me was unconditional and now I sit before you here today as a devotee of Shakti Kundalini Shakti the Divine Mother. So over a thousand years ago in India there was a yogi by the name of Adi Shankaracharya. So he's one of the earliest figures to bring forth a spiritual system called Advaita. Advaita translates to one without a second. It's a Sanskrit term. It implies not two, non-duality, oneness. So within the context of this series, we can think of Shiva and Shakti as being in a state of Advaita, a state of not ness. And as we know, Shakti rises from the base of the spine She unites with Shiva at the crown and self-realization takes place. So the records show that Adi Shankacharya chanted mantras of devotion to both Shiva and Shakti, the God and the goddess, the masculine and the feminine. So his system of Advaita, it was complete in this sense. It didn't deny the goddess. It didn't deny the Kundalini Shakti. But today, a new offshoot of advaita has emerged within the past few decades known as neo advaita neo of course meaning new and it's generally synonymous with the spiritual approach and community by the name of non-duality right so non-duality new advaita english sanskrit so within the neo advaita or non-duality scene there are many teachers and aspirants claiming to have attained full self-realization without undergoing the energetic kundalini process. and So some within this community deny the significance of the kundalini itself. Uh, Though they do that, they do in fact experience some degree of genuine spiritual awakening and transformation which feels complete to them at the time. You may have heard some of these people speaking about ideas such as there is only awareness. They may say there is no ego. There is no me, there is no you. Everything is consciousness. The world is an illusion. Suffering is just identification with the false sense of self or with the ego, and sort of ideas like that. Now, these ideas do have some validity, but they're often misunderstood and used to bypass doing the actual spiritual work of healing and purification which is, of course, facilitated by awakened kundalini. So those that share these ideas about how there is only awareness and things like that, they achieve an awakening of the crown chakra, which is a genuine awakening of of a genuine uh, spiritual nature, which brings about a great transformation, but it's not the full awakening process. So I'm going to use some diagrams to explain what I mean here. All right, so these diagrams here, they're very basic, they're imperfect, and they only show one type of awakening process, which is the most common kind amongst those on the path of neo Advaita or non duality. And it's the one that's relevant to our discussion here today. So these are stages that I've just made up myself. There are four stages, so four diagrams. For those listening on the podcast, I'll do my best to give a brief description here. They're very simple. Uh, here in, in stage one, in all the stages, actually, there's just a diagram of a person sitting in lotus position. And along their center column, there is a symbol representing each of the seven chakras. And along each, within each chakra, I've gone in and made a little red X here and there. And those red Xs represent trauma. They represent wounds that are stored within the chakras. So in stage one... What we have here is the average person that hasn't yet experienced any significant spiritual awakening. So we can see the chakras contain wounds and traumas uh, signified by the red Xs, like I mentioned. So this person is identified with the body. They're identified with the ego mind. They believe themselves to be this body. They believe themselves to be their ego. They've not experienced any spiritual awakening as of yet. So stage two In stage two, we have the same diagram, the same red X's marking each of the little traumas uh, within the chakras, but at the top of the crown, near the crown chakra, the top of the head, there is an emanation, a radiance of yellow strands of divine light representing an open crown chakra. So these strands extend far beyond the head. They sort of uh, surround the head and they represent an opened crown chakra so here in stage two what we see is that there's been an opening at the crown chakra in which divine light signified by the yellow lines has begun to enter the head and surround it all around so once consciousness uh, in this situation has expanded beyond their body and beyond their mind and pure non-dual awareness is experienced as a result And within that non-dual awareness, one can begin to rest in transcendence, leaving the body, leaving the body, the ego mind behind. Sorry, leaving the body and the ego mind behind. So this experience, this awakening can happen spontaneously, or it can happen as a result of practicing mind-based spiritual processes, such as self-inquiry, mindfulness meditation, uh, maybe engaging in psychedelic drug use, or philosophical contemplation. So let's look at stage 2.5 here. So here in stage 2.5, there's an eye just above the crown chakra. Still we have those red X's, still we have the strands of yellow divine light all around surrounding the head. But within the strands, just outside the body, I've drawn a little symbol of an eye. So that eye above the crown chakra, it represents the new ability to transcend the body and the ego mind and access a state of consciousness in which one can witness the phenomena of the world from a place of detachment. So some refer to this place as the self with a capital S. From this place of detached witnessing, one feels a sense of peace and stillness as they're no longer identified with the body, with the ego mind, or the pain and trauma within the chakras. Please note here, like I mentioned, the wounds still remain within the body. We still have those red X's sort of all over the chakras here. And despite the wounds remaining within the body, one can feel a sense of completion and finality of their spiritual process. When this happens, when we get access to that witnessing state of detached consciousness, it can feel like there's nothing left to unfold. It can feel like there can't possibly be anything left to unfold because we've now transcended the body, we've transcended the ego. It feels like freedom, feels like liberation. So from here, it's very easy to bypass the need to address emotional issues, trauma, and other aspects of being a human being it's also nearly impossible to relate on a truly deep and emotionally intimate level with oneself or another. And for this reason, at this point in the process, it's incomplete. However, this is the stage that is generally speaking the end goal of Neo-Advaita or non-duality. So let's look at stage three. So here in stage three, it's... Like I mentioned, generally beyond the scope of Neo Advaita and non duality. And it involves the rising of the Kundalini Shakti from the base of the spine, signified by the white line going up the spinal column through each of the chakras. So in this diagram here, once again, we have the silhouette of a person sitting in lotus position. We've got all of the seven chakras along the spinal column. We've got the eye above the crown chakra representing the place of detached witnessing, we've got the yellow strands all around the head representing that non-dual consciousness, and still we have the wounds marking each of the chakras. So if one doesn't get stuck in the previous stage, there's a good likelihood now that kundalini can rise. And Sri Ramana Maharshi, who was a spiritual master who is still greatly celebrated today by many... Uh, he didn't speak much about kundalini shakti, but instead, he spoke mainly about the mind-based practice of self-inquiry, which, if performed correctly and ardently, would bring about a crown-level awakening, as we're seeing in these diagrams here so far. So many who follow Sri Ramana take this to mean that kundalini is not necessary, and they've used him as a figurehead for non-duality and neo vida as sometimes denying kundalini altogether. However, From this stage three, according to Sri Ramana, the kundalini shakti would rise on its own. And here are his words about it. In the jnana marga, when by self-inquiry the mind is merged in the self, the self, its shakti or kundalini, rises automatically. Now Sri Ramana was very good with his words. If kundalini shakti did not exist or was not relevant to the attainment of self-realization in his view, he would have simply stated so. I think it's very safe to assume that. Instead, he did not deny it. He acknowledged the existence of kundalini shakti. So in stage three here, the kundalini rises and begins the purification process of the entire system, healing the wounds within the chakras and whatnot. Now, one might be able to access the witnessing stage once the kundalini has begun her process. But during intense emotional times when a lot is being purified and burned up, the witnessing mode may not be available. We may not be able to detach and take a step back and transcend all of the, the difficult experiences that are happening within our system. So to undergo this healing process with kundalini shakti, this is when the real spiritual work, the real sadhana, Really begins. And it requires a willingness to feel everything, to deny nothing, to be vulnerable and humble, and to surrender. As well, of course, it requires the courage to love ourselves unconditionally. And now, finally, we have stage four, in which the Kundalini completes the purification process of the system and stabilizes at the crown chakra. So this is when Shakti and Shiva are united as one in a state of true non-duality, in a state of Advaita. So here in the diagram, the wounds and the chakras, the red Xs, they've been cleared, the kundalini has risen, it is stabilized at the crown, and the entire body is now permeated with those yellow strands of divine consciousness. The entire body, not just the head as in the previous uh, stages, but the entire body, all the chakras, they've got yellow divine light permeating them. The entire body is involved now in the awakening process. The trauma has been healed, we've been purified, we've been cleansed. Now of course, the yellow strands are just here for demonstration for the visual. They're not yet necessarily yellow. They may not necessarily have a color. If you're able to you know, tune in with your clairvoyance and see it, you might see uh, iridescent light, you might see purple, you might see violet, you might see white, you might not see anything that's really a color, you may just feel it. But the idea here is that the entire body head to toe, chakra to chakra is all experiencing the awakened consciousness. So the healing process in this stage, it reaches relative completion. So I use the word relative here because one doesn't need to have every single ounce of conditioning cleared in order to be established in a state of self-realization. There are certain quirks and things that will remain as a result of simply being a human. So keep that in mind. We don't need to clear every single little piece of conditioning and pain and trauma. There are certain things that are sort of uh, unnecessary to remove. We can keep those things and it's part of being a human. It's only when we leave this body, we drop this body, that then we can truly let those traumas go and things like that. But for the most part, uh, the big things the big wounds those will be addressed but little things they can remain they're inconsequential they're what make us unique they're what make us human they keep us grounded they keep us relatable as well so in this stage the the eye is still remaining there above the crown And we have access to the witnessing mode, the self with a capital S, as well as the ability to now rest comfortably within the body where we can experience all the joys of being a human and having an emotional and physical experience of life. So in this stage four, in the final stage, we are fully divine human beings. Sometimes bliss is experienced in the body, not necessarily as an emotion, but as a biological function, kind of like being on a drug So this is not common in the Neo-Advaita or non-dual version of awakening. But this bliss, it's synonymous with the felt experience of love within the body and the heart. By some, it has been called love bliss and it does not have a mental component to it. It is simply bhakti, it is simply devotion. It is simply something felt within the body, not necessarily something to be uh, experienced or intellectualized in the mind. And yet, at the same time, there is something for the mind here and that is great jnana, which is knowledge of self. So there's a balance now between jnana and bhakti, between knowledge and devotion. And so from here in stage four, everything is embraced, all emotions, the ego, the body, the uncomfortable parts of life. Nothing is transcended or avoided as in the earlier stages. All is welcomed unconditionally in a true state of oneness. So this process that I just outlined with those diagrams is more or less how things unfolded for me. So I practiced self-inquiry. I experienced a big awakening of my crown chakra. And I found that I was able to transcend my body, transcend my ego, transcend the world. And I felt complete. I felt free. I felt liberated. But at the same time, though I wouldn't admit it back then, much was lacking. I was disconnected from the world. I was disconnected from other people in my world. And I couldn't relate with anybody on a deep level and i was spiritually bypassing all of my unaddressed pain all of the things from my past that i was still carrying within my body all of the wounds that were still in my in my chakra system all of those red x's that i still had i was still carrying them around but i was disconnected i was just hanging out in the ethers transcendent detached from all of this And admittedly, I was afraid. I was afraid to return back into this body and to address my wounds, because, of course, that's a scary thing to do. It's a daunting task. It requires work. It requires courage. It requires knowledge. It requires energy. It requires uh, help, right? It requires humility to be able to ask for help as well. But then, like Sri Ramana describes, the Kundalini began to rise automatically for me. And as it rose, I was drawn back into the body. And I entered into a state of purification that was very exciting. It was pretty cool. There was a lot of trippy, fun, blissful experiences. But at the same time, there were also some incredibly unspeakable, difficult experiences as well. And so that's a little bit about my process and how things went for me. And that's how I got stuck temporarily for a couple years or so in that sort of Detached witnessing state in denial of things like Kundalini, in denial of the need to address all the wounds and the need to address this body to even take care of this body. I was in denial of anything that didn't fit into my very convenient perspective, which was, Oh, everything is consciousness, all is consciousness, all is awareness. There is no ego, there is no me, there is no you. Any pain, any suffering that anybody in the world is experiencing, oh, that's just because they're identified with the ego and they haven't awakened yet. But Thankfully, for whatever reason, I was fortunate enough to not get stuck in that process, in that in that stage of the process for too long until, like I mentioned, the kundalini began to draw me back into the body. So why, like I mentioned for myself, why do some deny the necessity of the kundalini rising process? You know, that's what we're talking about here today. Uh, the denial of the Kundalini process but why why do people deny it It's, it's such a profound experience you know there's people all over that speak about having these crazy experiences to do with Kundalini and yet still there's a lot of people who are very adamant in their denial of it well here's here's what Muji had to say on the matter so he's one of the most popular teachers of neo advaita and non duality and keep in mind here he's just one example of many teachers that don't appreciate the significance of kundalini because they themselves haven't experienced it um, i'm just i'm i'm using his example to address the larger group of, of teachers and guides and and spiritual seekers and aspirants who deny kundalini um, because because is quite a, a known figure but uh, i don't want to you know Act like he's the only one. But anyway, uh, a woman who had undergone a a genuine Kundalini awakening, uh, this is a video on YouTube of her asking Muji. She says, have you experienced that? Referring to the Kundalini awakening. And Muji responded dismissively. He says, oh my dear, that is child's play. There are many yogis, probably even here, referring to at his ashram, who have been doing these things or having these experiences for years. And now they're searching for freedom. So this outright denial of the Kundalini process to a woman who was being very open, being very vulnerable about her experiences, her genuine valid experiences of the Kundalini, you know, this is why so many people end up stuck with merely a crown level awakening, like I had shown in those diagrams, getting stuck in that state of detached witnessing without really being able to enter into the body and be comfortable in it without really being able to address the wounds and find you know real self love real unconditional love for for ourselves for the world, for other people in our lives, and all of that it's because of this type of of denial that teachers like Muji have about the Kundalini process that people get stuck you know and I, I find it ironic that Muji, he displays Sri Ramana's photo next to him as he teaches in his ashram. But of course, like we know, Sri Ramana himself did not deny the Kundalini, despite what many like to think. And it's situations like this that sort of perpetuate this idea that Kundalini is not important and that Sri Ramana had, uh, you know, nothing to do with Kundalini. They see a teacher like Muji, they say, oh, Muji's got Ramana's picture next to him. So they might have something in common. Muji maybe is, uh, successor of of Ramana, or maybe, um, you know, Muji was was given the the green light to go ahead and pass on the teachings of Ramana. People seem to think that sometimes because it's implied uh, when when Muji has got you know his Ramana's picture there. But I just want to bring that to your attention. Any any teacher can put any anybody's picture next to them. It doesn't mean that they're they're uh, you know given the green light to go ahead and and be a successor or to claim that they're part of anyone's lineage. As far as I understand. Sri Ramana, fantastic, incredible, incredible saint, did not have a successor. I don't think there, there is a lineage uh, belonging to you know, Sri Ramana. And so that's something very important to keep in mind. Anybody can share anything, but we've got to use our discernment, especially when we're on the path of dealing with the Kundalini awakening process ourselves. You've got to be able to sharpen our sword of discernment that is able to question any authority any guide, any teacher, any guru, any book, any author, anyone at all, if they're offering guidance on the spiritual journey and you know that you're in the midst of a Kundalini process, you need to ask, does the person I'm seeking wisdom from have the experience of Kundalini, yes or no? And it's pretty easy to find out. We can look in their work, we can see do they do they openly deny it in the way that Muji has? Or are they very open about it? Some speak about it, they don't use the word kundalini, but they will describe an energetic process that takes place within the body. We can look at these things and develop our discernment to find the teachers that have actually undergone this process and to leave behind those that haven't. It's not necessarily to go out like I am today and put out content critiquing and 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 you know pointing fingers at people who are uh, maybe putting out uh, content and, and teachings that are incomplete. It's not necessary to go out and do that. We can just ignore that and get on with our own work. Uh, personally, like I mentioned, I'm a bit of a nerd. I love this kind of stuff. And I notice that a lot of people get stuck as a result of following teachers who are sharing incomplete uh, teachings because they themselves, their process is incomplete. And like I mentioned, I fell victim to that. I got stuck myself, thankfully, uh, you know, Kundalini. She, she, she blessed me, she guided me out of those of those uh, those cul-de-sacs I like to call them of those dead ends and I was able to continue my process along. So like I have been uh, saying you know there's many reasons that people deny the Kundalini, but I've got a list here I just want to outline a few and elaborate a little bit more here. I know I'm rambling a little bit uh, please I hope you're. Hope you're still following along. Uh, So firstly, the reason that many deny the Kundalini process is that it's not hard to attain a crown level awakening and enter into a witnessing state and transcend the body, transcend the mind and the world. Uh, Of course, to transcend all the pain and the suffering of the body, the mind and the world as well. So one can easily be guided to this kind of crown level non-dual awakening in a short amount of time, with certain practices and approaches. It's it's not uh, unheard of to be guided by a teacher or a book uh, to a state where you realize that uh, that realize that non-dual reality that to have the crown open up. Uh, it's kind of like a light bulb going off. It's not unheard of. Thousands and thousands of people experience this. There's some websites where you can, uh, you know, you can connect with a teacher and they'll just chat with you and and guide you to that realization. They'll ask you certain questions and they'll point you to that realization of, you know, yourself as awareness, as consciousness. It's not that hard. It's not that hard at all. And so once this happens, uh, it's easy to just relax into a state of detachment and dismiss all of the phenomena of the world. And mm. In my opinion, this is where the idea of the patriarchy and the suppression of the feminine really comes in. So yes, of course, uh, those who deny Kundalini Shakti, they're directly denying the most feminine force in all of existence, but they're also denying the feminine on a more subtle level too. They're in denial of their emotions and their feelings. They're in denial of the feminine qualities of love, of bliss, of surrender. So to undergo the full Kundalini process, One needs to be willing to face their emotional hangups. One needs to be willing to face their trauma, their fears, and to put in work, difficult, challenging, painful work to heal. And now this is not easy. And it's for the same reason that men in general don't like to open up about their feelings. The Kundalini Shakti process is also denied. It requires vulnerability, not avoidance or transcendence. It requires us to embrace our femininity and find energetic balance within ourselves. And when I say within ourselves, I mean quite literally within our bodies, not transcending and leaving our bodies to a place of detachment, but actually coming right into the body and feeling what's here, taking care of the body, honoring the body, because that's where uh, the spiritual process really takes place. There are some ideas that spirituality is all about the head. It's not, it's about the entire system head to toe. This entire body can experience spiritual awakening. Every cell, every fiber of your being, every every square inch of your aura can emanate with Shakti, can feel that bliss, can feel awakened. And if you're not experiencing that, which is fine, I invite you to consider that instead of just settling for a mind level, a crown level awakening. So because it's rather easy to have a crown level awakening, like I've said, you know, a non-dual style awakening, it's also easy to become a teacher and to guide others to this point as well. So this makes it appealing for many who are seeking, you know, some sort of recognition on the spiritual front. You know, what better claim can one make than to say that they're enlightened and that they have no work left to do? So remember, neo neo-advaita is advaita with a prefix. It's a new spin on a very old system. So why update something that has worked in the past? In my opinion, Neo Advaita has arisen to justify spiritually bypassing doing the actual healing work. So with Neo Advaita and non-duality, we get to be awakened without diving deep into addressing our wounds, without having to learn to love ourselves, without having to take care of our bodies, and without having to really be able to relate with other human beings as human beings ourselves. So, like I said, I understand. I fell victim to denial of the Kunli process too. I was stuck in a state of witnessing for a couple years straight. And it felt free because I was detached from my body, I was detached from the world. And, you know, up until then, those were very painful places for me to be. And it was nice. It was nice to get some, some space, some detachment, some relief. But in that detached state, I couldn't relate with anybody. Everything was just empty and void. It wasn't a comfortable place. Uh, It wasn't a comfortable place to be in the long run. And I'm so grateful that despite, despite my own denial of her, Kundalini Shakti, the Divine Mother, still showed me her love. And so I wish the same for you all, no matter where you are on the path. I wish that you all discovered that love that Kundalini Shakti has available for you. Open yourself up to it, surrender to it, uh, entertain the possibility that you can experience divinity while remaining fully human within this body. So I hope today's part of this series has been meaningful for you all. I appreciate your time for listening to me today. Please pass around this series if you feel that there's somebody in your life who might be interested, who might benefit from it. Uh, Of course, if you have any questions, you can send me a line at info at brentspirit.com. If you'd like to show your support for me and my work, or if you'd like to find out about how to meet with me one-on-one, you can find all that info at brentspirit.com as well. Until next time, much love. Peace.